This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Buckets, Episode 6. I wanted to spend this cold open explaining a recent trend in modern NBA history, partly because I think it'll help educate the casual fan, and partly because it'll help me understand this new practice by merely explaining it. This measure technique of NBA superstars dictating and deciding their future without even reaching free agency. Bill Simmons coined the idea pre-agency. Here's what I'm talking about. Let's say you have a disgruntled marquee player. We'll call him Jimmy Butler. Last summer, he's traded to Minnesota with three years left on his deal. To the casual fan, you can assume he'll be a Timberable until at least 2020. And that used to be the case. But nowadays, that three-year deal can turn into 59 games total very quickly. Here's how. The third year is a player option, meaning he can opt out and cut that last season off, which he will do. This leaves it as a two-year deal, one that just happened and one that's upcoming. Back in the day, any disgruntled player would have sucked it up for at least one more season, then hit free agency. But the superstar of 2018 is impatient. You can postmates everything nowadays. Why not a new contract in a new city? So Butler, taking a cue from his pal Kyrie Irving, can not only dictate that he wants a trade, he can also dictate where he wants to be traded. But can't the owner of the Wolves, Glenn Taylor, trade him anywhere? He can, but he won't. But why? Because Butler will publicly leak through his agent to a reporter, say Woj, that he not only wants out of Minnesota, he only wants to play for Brooklyn, New York, LA, or Miami. He states publicly, and for the record, that he will not sign any extension with any other team, putting every other GM on high alert that if they trade for Jimmy Butler, they will only retain his services for one disgruntled season. This makes the offers on those less competitive teams, say Phoenix, much less appealing than the offers from the teams on Butler's list, say Miami. Ultimately, Taylor will have to do what's best for his team and take the best deal from the team that Butler himself has listed. Checkmate! Or is it? Can a non-Jimmy-listed team take a chance on Butler and give up some prime assets? Can a small market team think to themselves, you know what, it may be cold and remote here, but a year of Jimmy Butler is still better than what we got, and hell, we might even convince his ass to stay long-term. You bet your thunder they can. OKC made that gamble last year, trading two solid young assets, Sabonis and Oladipo, for Paul George, who leaked a trade demand through the media and had a list of preferred destinations that numbered one the Los Angeles Lakers. Don't trade for me, any other team, PG claimed. I'm heading out west in a year. Believe that. The Thunder called his bluff, gave him a year-long sales pitch, and what do you know? He signed a four-year deal with OKC at the end of his rental. Russell Westbrook leases to own. Hashtag why not. The Raptors just did this with Kawhi, another superstar who had his heart set on LA. But maybe, just maybe, Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors can change his mind. And ideally his laugh. (laughs) If they're willing to trade for Leonard, Kawhi stop there. Pair him with another amazing two-way player in Jimmy B and make a run at the championship. Because while it may not be on anybody's preferred list of destinations, it's hard to walk away from Titletown. My guest today already has Toronto on his list of preferred destinations because he was born and raised in nearby Stratford, Ontario. He's been a basketball podcaster for 12 years, which sure beats my four weeks. So I'm here to pick his brain on everything from his longevity to his favorite Raptor of all time. Please welcome to the podcast, the starter himself, J.E. Skeets. You getting bucket buckets. I'm a fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. I'm, I'm like Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. I feel like I do have to say that right up front because he's had on some very, very funny 
guests in your in your first couple of episodes. Oh, and, thank uh, you. I will not be as funny. Maybe I'll know a little bit more about basketball. Actually, I probably won't either. They were very knowledgeable. But uh, yeah, I, I still am a fun guy. Thanks for having me on, though. Hey, thanks for coming on. This is exciting. My first call-in guest interview. Yeah. So you've always had them right there looking you in the eye. Yeah. Uh, as you talk about the uh, the old Knicks teams and your Lakers and all that. Yeah, this, but this is fine as long as the audio is clear uh, and people can follow along and hear what I'm saying. Yeah, people just have to assume, I guess like me, that you're actually talking, that you are who you say you are and not just a sound alike. Yeah, this is Tass Mellis. <laughs> <laughs> the one person whose voice would never get confused for yours. Yeah, that's uh, very true. <laughs> he has like the sexiest, deepest voice ever and I do not. I have the um how long have we known each other because i was like digging up old emails and it's actually longer than i thought do you know the answer to this wow i don't at all i mean i'm guessing if you say it's longer than i would think like 2011 yeah so i thought it was like that around too but like i dug up these old emails that i think we had before we even knew who each other were like back when i was doing the uh bad jersey blog where people were getting like sending in photos of people in like Benoit Benjamin Vancouver Grizzlies jerseys. You right. sent one over of a Toronto Raptor whose name I completely escapes me now in like 2009. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, we're near nearing the decade here. Right. I do. Re- I forgot you did that blog. Yeah. And I do remember sending something over for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, I did, I did an episode of the, the, uh, lockout season podcast that you were doing. Yeah. Okay. That's a good call. Yeah, that's right. Because we, when we had the lockout, we took, we were then the basketball Jones up in Canada, and we went to like nine or ten cities in North America. Yeah. And uh, you're right. You were, uh, were you not on the same like show? Because um, we did sort of a live show, a live podcast um, with Woj. Yes. With Heels. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he was also on it, and then you. That's right. So uh, that was so a the, good one. That was this, that was near the end of the tour. This is Woj before he was Woj. Like I barely knew who it was. Like was this? So this was 2011. Yeah, that sounds right. The lockout. Yeah, I, and I mean, I knew who he was, and I sort of even worked with him because I was at Yahoo Sports writing for Ball Don't Live. Right. I mean, he knew who I was, and I knew I definitely knew who he was, but. Um, he was doing me a favor. I barely talked to him in person, maybe a handful of times. But yeah, he came on that show. I remember on that show trying to get him to break news like live on the show, uh, and he wasn't really going for it. He uh, wasn't on that in that little gag. But yeah, that was a fun show. That was like before he was Woj. Like this was maybe like before he even had like a popular Twitter. He was just like a serious basketball reporter who was like gaining yeah, power I- and popularity. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he was still sort of the guy. Like, that's when he was battling ESPN. Obviously, he's joined them now. But that was when it was like, I just remember when I went to Yahoo Sports, it was like, it was surreal because it was like Woj versus like this entire 40-team staff at ESPN. (laughs) And it was like a fair fight and Woj was winning. It was pretty incredible. He's that good. Yeah, it seems like someone has to do an oral history on Woj and how the hell like one reporter from Yahoo took down an entire empire. <laughs> I know. To the point where they I'll... had to hire him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's the best part. That's the nice twist at the end of that documentary. <laughs> uh, well, let's rewind just a second. I wanted to like kind of go over your backstory. So, because yeah, we're friendly or friends with each other, but I, I'm even I'm like not 100% clear how this whole thing got started for you. Like, People know now that you're the host of The Starters, which is a daily show, five times a week, four times a week? 
Yep, five times a week uh, on NBA TV. This year we're going to be at 6 p.m. Eastern most days, which is great. And then we do a couple podcasts in the mix there too, yeah. Yeah, just super busy, super prolific. Um, but I want to like try to wrap my head around how you got there. Is the beginning of it the t- in 2006 with that podcast that you started? Or is there information even before that that would no, change I mean- your origin story? Yeah, the I guess like the before that part, and I won't go on like long here, but I met um, the guys I do the show with now for the most part, especially the core, uh, I met at university, at Ryerson University up in, in Canada. So I went to school from like 2001 to 2004. I took radio and television. I met JD, who is to this day our director of the show, um, and Tass, who is to this day is, is the co-host of the show with me, along with Trey and Lee, and they come in a little bit later, and also Matt to this day the producer of the show um matt jd tass and i we all met at ryerson and it was really tass jd and i when we were wrapping up school we were wrapping up radio and television we had worked together on a couple things we obviously liked each other we were just like what are we gonna do um you know we want to get in tv we think uh but like what do we do and jd just threw out the idea and this was way back when like you said like 2006 like the idea of a podcast was like, what is a podcast? Like, I remember him telling us, like, maybe we should start a podcast. And it was like, we sort of knew that what that was because <laughs> yeah. we were, I mean, because we were in radio and television and we had started like an internet radio show that was sort of at the, we were at the forefront of that, just like Ryerson was, I mean, in Canada. So we sort of knew what he meant, but then we were like, well, what do we talk about? Tass, what do you like? Well, I like sports. All right. I like sports too. We were just going to do a sports show. And then JD was like, maybe we should sort of like, you know, pick a little niche here, like, you know, sort of narrow that down. So, in the end, Tass liked basketball enough, that, and I liked basketball enough that we sort of overlapped there. So that's why we started a basketball show. So we started a basketball podcast, I should say. Did it once a week. In 2006. Then did it, yeah, this is, yeah, I believe that's right. Or 2000, is that right? 2006 or 2000? Uh, yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, because when did Kobe go for uh, 81 uh, yeah, against the Raps? Yeah, okay. So it's those six. It's like right at the, the beginning of the year. Um, because, because that inspired you to start a show. That's why you, you're pulling that quote. No, no. The reason the reason was I think that was our second show. It was our second podcast. Like that happened right after we started our show. Wow. Where Kobe destroys, I mean, hilariously enough, your team, your Kobe, your Lakers destroys Tassonized Raptors team wow. in one. Wow. Yeah, it's Look really it's really weird. And, um, and also like the idea of because Jake and I were starting to make videos in 2006. So like we basically took this like kind of similar but completely different path for the last 12 years, which was like self-making, self-producing. But you like you had this basketball podcast before podcasts were even, I guess, not even publicly known, but like known amongst nerds. Like I don't even know oh, if I knew what podcasts definitely. were. Yeah, definitely. And especially, I mean, especially a sports podcast or an NBA podcast. Like we were the first. I mean, I think we were the first at least, uh, especially when we went daily in like our third year because we started doing a daily show on Skype um, where we would get up every morning before we went to our day jobs and like talk about basketball and talk about the night games the night before and stuff like that. Like, yeah, this, like no one was doing this. No one knew what this was, but you know, there were enough people around the world that were like somehow hearing it, somehow finding it obviously on iTunes and writing in saying they enjoyed it, like whatever. Um, so basically just then quickly, like we did that for like four years. And at one point we decided to make it a video podcast because we thought that might help our chances of making it a TV show and just having a little more fun with the medium uh, because you're video. Hot. Yeah. Cause we're very, very attractive. Yeah, um, this would be a no, waste. It would be a waste yeah. to have just my voice out there. Yeah, no, I mean, t- <laughs> we had to get tasked in front of the camera. Unfortunately, <laughs> I just, unfortunately I just had to be there as well. Uh, you're off camera the entire time. 
Yes, but what I lack in looks, I make up for in just pure charisma. You know, it just comes through. You're um, a fun guy. I'm a fun guy. I'm a fun guy. So anyway, we just like we were going to sort of quit after four years because we were trying to make money out of this. And this is where Matt comes back into the fold because he was off trying to become a well, he actually became a lawyer in Montreal. And then he's like, okay, I don't want to do this. So he came back to help us sell the show. And like, anyway, we got picked up by a television network in Canada called The Score, um, which we then started making a television show for. Uh, that was brand new for us, obviously. So we were sort of learning on the fly there. And uh, we also had the podcast still going. And and then we were there for a couple of years and things were great and, and, and uh, sort of got a little bit bigger, especially in Canada. And then uh, NBA TV came knocking about five or six years ago now, and it was just perfect timing. Um, the writing was on the wall with the score that they were probably going a different direction because they were selling the company. And uh, yeah, NBA TV came and asked us a bunch of guys. And now Trey and Lee are there at this point. And they said, hey, would you guys ever move down to Atlanta to to do an NBA show for NBA TV? And you know, at first you're like, absolutely. But then you're like, whoa, that's a big move. Um, going from Toronto to Atlanta with all our families and stuff like that. Yeah. But obviously we, yeah, obviously we did it. And, uh, and here we are, we're heading into our sixth season of television, which people tell me is pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to stay on the people air tell long. me. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's sort of the, uh, very, very, you know, hopefully quick version of that. So is this, would you say like you've already attained your dream job or you're still building towards a dream job or is this the dream job to keep the dream job? Sorry, yeah, that's my okay. dream job, not yours. Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you can, uh, you know, if I'm ever away, we can plug you in there. No problem. Um, that. uh, that's a good question. I do get asked that, like, you know, where do you see the show going or what do you want to do? I don't really know. I mean, this is like, I won't lie. This is definitely a dream job, like what I do. Um, yeah. I'm super excited for the season to start, uh, which is great. Like, I mean, the season ends, it's long, you know, we're together we're, and you know, this working with Jake and all your crew, like at some point you do get tired of each other, especially in a creative environment. Um, well, I don't, just but Jake does. Yeah. 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 Well, I could see that. Yeah. yeah I would get break. tired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need die. a break after 10 minutes with you. Right here. Uh, <laughs> if you want, you can take a five minute breather. I'll just be here yelling at Jake. <laughs> but no, it's like after 10 months, you sort of need that, that summer to get away from like from each other and just sort of reset and not think about basketball. That helps too for a little bit. But, uh, I do have that job is what I was going to get at here. Like I wake up on Monday and it's like, Hey, this is cool. I get to go into an office, get paid to hang out with my friends <laughs> and talk about basketball and people actually care enough, uh, or some people care enough to hear what I have to say about it. So yes, that's the coolest part. That's why I'm yeah. basically trying to wedge my way, wedging my way, pun intended, into your nice. basically your career. I'm like, wait a minute, I like talking about basketball. I'll do it too. Out of my way, skeets. And yeah, I just you know started really, the show. What we really should have done, which would have been really actually quite genius, is we should have just going into one season, you and Jake just come and do the starters. <laughs> And Tass and I, or maybe all four of us, even with Lee and Trey, we go and do uh, do, do your show and do Headgum pod, podcasts and stuff like that. We should have done that. I bet not a lot of people would notice until no, Jake, I don't think they would until Jake chimed in about I don't know literally anything that had to do with basketball. <laughs> hey, I, I, I listened to his podcast with you. I mean, he he. He knew some things. He knew some players. <laughs> That's right. Casual fan yeah. is how I described him. Casual fan. Yes, very casual fan. Uh, uh, yeah, we should have done that, though. But you guys, are, you guys are funny. Do you guys view yourself as comedians? Like, is comedy ever uh, a passion of yours? Or is it just like, no, I'm just a funny guy that happens to be funny, not I want to make a career out of this. Do you view the yeah. starters as a comedy show? Uh, yes, I sort of do. I, I mean, 
for the you know the entire iteration of the show we've always or at least personally i think i'm speaking for everyone it's like we've always tried to find a balance with our show when it was the basketball drones or now the starters of hey this is really fun and quirky and wow these guys are coming at the nba from a different angle and they're fans and blah 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 it's like really hopefully funny to some people but then the balance like the other side of like oh wait they actually sort of know what they're talking about. They do their homework. They obviously know basketball a ton and, um, and have some decent points on, on, you know, whatever, be it games or trades or players, whatever. So it's always to me, it's to me like this fine balance of like, Hey, they're clowns and they're funny. And Oh, actually they're also quite knowledgeable about the game, but that's, I mean, that's what makes it sort of fun. And like, I mean, I find the guys I work with very, very funny. Um, Like and and that even includes especially includes Matty O, our, our producer and JD, our director. So yeah, to me those guys are funny. And Lee Ellis might be one of the funniest people I've ever met. And he just <laughs> does he just doesn't know it half the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, all these guys, Trey and Tass, and like they're they're all funny guys. So we just do it because it's you know we're just trying to make each other laugh half the time, and then and it turns out hopefully sometimes that you know, other people find it funny as well. Yeah, there's nothing funnier than, like, hearing friends hanging out and making each other laugh. It's hard not to laugh along with them. Yeah, that, I mean, that's absolutely right, I, I think. And that's, like, and a part of the thing, too, we do a daily show about the NBA. Okay, like, for our sanity, we need to try and, like, mix it up every once in a while and, yeah. like, try and do something that we're not comfortable with or that we think is... Uh, weird for whatever reason just because you can and we have no doubt at times fallen into like a little bit of a trap of like you know it's just sort of it could become a little cookie cutter right at times it's just you know we've done i mean i've done like nearly two thousand i've done over two thousand shows with tass alone and it's like that's obviously a ton of podcasts and television shows um so we just try and do things for the sake of uh, just trying something else. And it really helps having JD, especially because JD actually does not like basketballs. So <laughs> openly. Yeah. So he <laughs> looks at this. Definitely. He looks at our show definitely more as, you know, a comedy show or, or you know, a 22 minute, just sort of live, um, just weird. Yeah. I guess comedy show. I mean, even though it is about basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the personalities work out so well. Um, I, to be honest, like I wasn't, when I did the podcast, I, uh, which was like 2011, I was vaguely aware of it, but I didn't listen to it. Like, I've grown into being a fan since knowing you. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, I think we met in Vegas, or we linked up in Vegas during Summer League, like, four four years ago. Uh, yep. It was my buddy Jesse, who you've since hung out with as well. Um, right. That, like, got me onto the show. He was, like, a huge Basketball Jones guy. He's like, you got to hang out with those guys. You got to listen to the show. You're going to love it. It's just, like, it's half puns, half basketball. Why are you not enjoying it already? Uh, so I felt like spiritually aligned as soon as I started listening, which was like two seasons now. Uh, and I haven't missed an episode between like the, the drop and the Twitter show. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, and like, look, I know our show or our podcast is not for everybody, but I will say that people who at least give our show a chance or the podcast a chance, you know, it can be very weird, especially maybe not so much now in today's sort of, you know, um, NBA media landscape. But, you know, four or five years ago, especially when we came to the NBA TV, I mean, there were people like, what is this? Who are these guys? Of course, yeah. Uh, and, yeah and, that, <laughs> and that just and that honestly just even starts by looking at us. It's like, you know, this Australian guy, this you know ugly Canadian guy, this sexy Canadian guy. This, uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't need some, to name names. Yeah, uh, this, you know, bearded, uh, sort of taller American guy from Chicago area. Like, you know, 
for white guys, like, let's be honest, like, it's like, what, what do they know? Who are they? What are they even doing? You know, but, but I will say I've, I've heard from a lot of people that have come up to me and said, you know, I definitely judged you at first right away, judged the show. I was like, this is stupid. And for whatever reason, maybe it is our personalities and just the chemistry of the show. Um, you know, a couple episodes in, they sort of start to get it and, uh, can sort of get, you know, addicted to the show and and are, are feel like they're a part of the show even. So I, I mean, that's what I say to new people that maybe that are listening to this even like to to give it a go at the very least. Yeah, if you're listening to this show and you find my banter slightly funny, then I feel like you guys would be a huge Starters fan. Um, and I always recommend starting with the Friday Drop podcast as like a, a good way to like dip your toes in the water because once you like that, you're going to be seeking more content. And they're at five TV shows plus one extra podcast a week. There's always enough to go around. There's a, there's a lot to go around. And you're right. Those are two different beasts. Like the podcast is a lot different than, uh, well, not a lot different. Obviously we're on the TV show and the podcast, but it is different. Um, the TVs, you know, you're, you're limited because of time and you want to get to a lot of topics and you got to move cause it's TV and everyone's got a short attention span. Whereas the podcast is more obviously like what you're doing and, you know, just going off on funny tangents about whatever that right. sort of makes its way back to basketball for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess on NBA TV, you can't spend 11 minutes on the way Lee urinates in the middle of the night. Like that's yes. the kind of thing that is saved for, it's like almost like talking dead versus walking dead. It's like the show <laughs> after the show, the guys yeah, hanging I mean, out after they record. That's exactly right. And we were naive enough when we first came to, to NBA TV that we thought um, because when we first came to NBA TV, we actually, for the first season, we're doing an hour television show a day, which, uh, nearly killed us. Um, yeah, that's, like, and, that's illegal. Yeah, it was, uh, that was bad news. And, and, you know, wisely ourselves and even NBA TV, the higher ups were like, you know what, this should be a half hour show. But, um, we thought we were going to be able to take a podcast and just put it on TV. Uh, I still don't know why we really thought we could do that. It just, it, it just, it doesn't work at all. It really, and then I know there are some that sort of just sort of stream whatever they're doing in the podcast booth and they put it on TV, but like, we didn't want to do that. We want to make it, we've eventually decided, Hey, let's make a TV show and let's also keep the podcast, uh, which we've been doing since day one. And, and we sort of now look at them as, as two different things. And they are, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And then like, once you get into the minutia of it, even like the Twitter show and the drop are two different things, but like. The, to the to the untrained eye, they're both fairly similar. Yeah, no, they, exactly. But you're right. The, the prep work that goes into them, the flow of them, they they're, they are different, and we we generally tackle them different. Uh, all right, let me shift gears a little bit from uh, Skeet's information to general NBA uh, information because I didn't. I knew you're a Raptors fan, but I don't quite. I've never spoken to a Raptors fan about like who they rooted for before the Raptors even existed because you're rooting for a team that didn't even exist before 1996. So like as a child growing up in Toronto, who do the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds root for before the Raptors even get there? I mean, take a wild guess. Who yeah. do you think a ten, who do you think a ten year old Skeets was rooting for? Let's the be Milwaukee honest. Bucks, baby. Brad yeah, Mahomes. of course. Blue I was Edwards. a huge uh, Blue Edwards fan. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was the Bulls. Um, it was that, obviously. Does that yeah, still resonate it, today in the city? Like, are there still Bulls fans? Uh, honestly, that's a good question. Uh, Thank you. I never, never really thought of that. I mean, I guess no, because at least personally, like. I was of the age, you know, like when I started to fall in love with basketball, I was like 12, 13, 14, like that era. And so that's like to age myself, you know, that's obviously like early 90s and there yeah. is no Raptors. Yeah. And then so I'm a Bulls fan and I'm a basketball fan, like 
just whatever, watching inside stuff and, and loving Willow Bay and all that. Yeah. Um, but then the Raptors come and it was like, boom, that's my team. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I grew up an hour and a half outside of Toronto. I obviously then went to school in Toronto. So I was, I was all in. I mean, I was all in even on the funny name and the purple jerseys, which are now again, cool. Um, I was all in on the Raptors, but yeah, prior to that, I mean, it was honestly, it was weird for me, especially now that I do a show about it. Everyone's like, you were, you're a Canadian. You grew up, you know, in Ontario. How did you not like hockey or why did you like basketball more than hockey? I mean, and it is, I mean, I never really thought of it at the time. I, when I look back at it, it's a little weird, but like the truth was, I just like hockey was expensive to play and we didn't have the money and I didn't have strong ankles and I wasn't a great skater. So, uh, I was like, Oh, I can play basketball. So I sort of fell in love. Yeah. I fell in love with, you know, playing it and then watching it and then eventually talking about it. Yeah. I mean, do you remember, like, are you old enough to remember the politics behind the Raptors even getting a team or did you wake up one morning and your dad was like, guess what? Toronto's got a basketball team now. No, I, I, yeah, I don't really remember the politics behind it. I remember suddenly there was like commercials, like these hilarious VR commercials. Like there was a station called the new VR and then it was suddenly, it was like very Raptors it meant, but I don't think it meant that at the beginning. <laughs> very uh, Raptors. Yeah. And like, I do remember like there would be in, in, and this is real and maybe you've heard this, like there would be like in the newspaper, like here's how you play basketball. Like there'd be like rules of like what this, this is, you know, uh, uh, this is a goaltend and this is a three point line. And like, it was like super, super basic. Cause like they were coming into a market that obviously was super, super, you know, hockey town, hockey, you know, uh, province and then country. So they were just trying to like teach the game. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. They treat it like Cameroon it, yeah. or something. They're like, yeah, actually in basketball, goaltending is bad. So let me yeah, explain it, the other differences between hockey and hoops. Yeah, in hockey, goaltending is Felix Potvin between the between the pipes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I, that's sort of what I remember. And then I remember, I do remember eventually going. I went to a game uh, when because they first played in the Sky Dome, uh, which was hilarious because they didn't have the ACC built um, where they where they now play. Like they didn't have the basketball slash hockey arena built, so they were playing in a baseball stadium, and like they had like this big curtain up, and it was like sectioned off it was like it was so weird it was hilarious um joe carter was playing point guard yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) they really had to blend the raptors in slowly over time (laughs) kai domi was the coach for a season and a half just to get hockey fans on board i don't know i don't know enough about hockey to make these kinds hey you called it you called joe carter perfect and uh ty domi yeah he was a fan favorite he just liked (laughs) to fight a little little pit bull that guy you could have went with dougie gilmore too yeah we're taking that wendell clark whatever (laughs) it's all good because it's all toronto and it's all happening (laughs) that's Uh, right that's right did you remember i did some like light research that the raptors um like the expansion team wasn't as bad as like the team that uh they trotted out three years into their uh franchise like did you did you realize that growing up there it's like it was not only an expansion team it was one that got worse over time Uh, oh yeah yeah like in their third year they won that's when like uh i think daryl walker was there and that's right he was a coach yeah i think butch carter took over that year um they were brutal like the raptors in their first season i mean correct me if i'm not i know you have if you have it in front of you but they were like they won like 20 games or 20 i don't know 20 21 games which is obviously bad but for an expansion <laughs> team like like they were like they had an expansion draft where like 
they got to pick like it was like bj armstrong or something like that like they basically like every team's like put up a bunch of guys that they didn't want and it's like like a garage sale yeah basically um yeah they were 21 and and 61 then they won 30 games the following year and then for for whatever reason they fell off a cliff and won 16 games this year yeah Uh, yeah there was there's a lot I mean, the last couple of years as a Raptor fan has been pretty surreal because they actually are in the playoffs and even winning playoff series. I mean, for the first 20 years, that just really didn't happen. Right. Like, do you remember what was your happiest Raptor memory as a child? Was it like beating the Bulls in 98? Like one game was enough? Was it not until Vince Carter where you felt any sense of like month-long pride for this team? I mean, I definitely remember uh, the expansion team actually beat the Bulls. That was the 72 and 10 Bulls. Um, They that was one of their losses uh, wow. in the Skydome. And I remember, I do remember that game because I remember uh, Jordan hits like an insane like baseline fadeaway that somehow goes off the glass. Like he's baseline and it goes off the glass. <laughs> and it went in, but it was late or something like that. So they won and that was like one of the, the 10 losses, which was, or um, how, many, what, how many did they win? Yeah, yeah 72 I mean, and 10. Yeah, 72 and 10. That was one of the losses. And... Uh, I remember that, and then I do remember when, like, they actually made the playoffs, like, the first time they sort of got, like, or or they had, they were battling the Sixers, which is what everyone remembers. Like, yeah. when they battled uh, Iverson, Vince and Iverson were, like, going for 50, like, it felt like every game, and it went to, like, that was the whole graduation uh uh, controversy controversy where Vince flew down to North Carolina the day of Game 7 to get, like, because he graduated, and that was, like, a real story. Oh, my God, like, that game. I remember I was in a place called Grand Bend, Ontario, which is, like, this little dumb little beach town that all the kids go to uh, to get drunk and hang out for the weekend, like, a long weekend. And, our like, I grew up with a lot of friends who were basketball fans, so, like, we were, like, and it was, like, a day game. I remember it was, like, a day game, Game 7, on the weekend. We were, like oh my god we gotta find a bar to watch this like are any of these bars gonna even be airing this like that's sort of what we're talking about still in this era and yeah i mean it was crazy we found one though and it was amazing because we found one early we got seats and then like more and more people started showing up and watching it with us and like this is gonna sound so lame but they lose the game and it was a great game because vince had a chance to like to win it at the at the buzzer and came up short whatever uh we we, I mean, and we had been drinking because we were young kids. Uh, we stood up and sang the national anthem, the Canadian national anthem. <laughs> I swear to God, true story. The entire bar in this like basement of this bar in Grand Bend, we were singing the national anthem because we were loss. so proud. In a, in a loss. loss. In a loss. We were just happy to be there. So that's just that's got to be one of your happiest early Raptor memories, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's for, for sure. If we're talking early Raptor, Raptor memories, absolutely. I mean, Vince in the dunk contest. If we count that, uh, yeah. that was all. That also received a couple national anthems. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when Mo Pete hit that weird game winner, I think I stood up and recited the national anthem. When yes, against yes. We just like to sing the national anthem. We're very patriotic. Uh, yeah, the Mo Pete's a good one. Yeah, where the, the Wizards uh, throw it up in the air and then he grabs it. Fucking chucks it in. That was incredible. The sad part about that is, like, I think that's an actual good time-wasting technique. Like, so often you see a player hold a ball as the time expires, where I'm like, just four seconds left, chuck it up. Two seconds left, two seconds down, time's expiring. The problem is this guy once did it incorrectly, to the point where not only did Mo Pete grab the ball out of midair, he flung it for a game winner. Like, the fact that that happened, and it seemed like that was the only time I've ever seen it attempted, is kind of a miracle. Yeah, it, it like who it 
it slipped out of the the wizard guy's hand, sort of. I remember, like he he didn't get like a good a good like chuck. Hi, like a yeah a good height or chuck on it. Yeah, it sort of slipped, and then yeah, it it, it was wild because it went right to Mo. And then like not only does it even just go to a Raptors player, but then he hits like an insane three. Like yeah. it's like a it's like a line drive. Like he doesn't really even shoot it like a normal shot. He just chucks it. Yeah. And uh, oh, Michael Ruffin. Yeah, wasn't that the guy? Yeah, it was Michael Ruffin who tried to throw it. I think <laughs> you think I'd never played another game in his life. Yeah, that <laughs> was the, that's the court yeah. and shame. Well, how do you come back from that? <laughs> I keep saying that the Trevor Brook, Trevor Booker tip shot is the most like miraculous high degree of difficulty shot in NBA history. You know which one I'm talking about? Oh yeah, of course. That's like, like uh, that's so good. Point one volleyball. <laughs> did Did you see the video I posted to Instagram like six months ago? Me and my friend trying that shot. The tip shot? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. But we tried it on the show when it happened too. Oh and, really? Uh, and did, yeah, did anybody we, get it? We've eventually got it. I mean, we we tried like uh, I think two of us ended up hitting it eventually, but we took like multiple takes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the fact that he did it in his first try ever, and we haven't seen it since, is kind of a miracle. It's incredible, and like I love how he like an underrated part of that shot is like the squat he sort of does. <laughs> yes, it's like, so choreographed. Like they they spent six weeks practicing it for that one moment. It's yeah, never I come mean, up again. It was like the perfect pass, the perfect tip, the perfect result. Nobody really talks about it enough. It's it's true. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine that happened in like a playoff game. Like that would be next level. You are a like game the, winner. Uh, something like yeah, because he just that was just like in the middle of a normal game, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, a game winner. Oh my goodness, a game winner. <laughs> that would that would be the best ever. But like I've talked to Brent Barry before, like. You know, so you you sort of brought up the idea of like, did they? I wonder, like, do they practice that and all that? And like, I, I came up once on our show because we had bones on Brent, and he would like, we were talking about like, you know, when you get down to like close games, and it's like, oh, this guy should miss this free throw, right? So, so you can try and get it back. Yeah, the miss on and, purpose is very yeah, the, and so many guys like like they try and miss on purpose and they're like just such good basketball players that they end up like putting it in anyway. Like, yeah, or it goes off the we, backboard and they get a violation. Yeah, like we've seen this multiple times. So I remember asking Brent Berry about it. I was like, hey, like, do you guys practice this? And he was like, when he was on the Spurs, he said, absolutely. We practiced it a lot. And he said, he said him and Manu Ginobili would have like free throw shooting contests where, this is insane. They would have free throw shooting contests where they basically were like, okay, now you got to hit this one. It has to scrape the left side of the rim or you got to hit this one. It has to hit the right side of the rim then hit the backboard and in like like the like the accuracy on a on a right. free throw that's like how detailed they were getting not just like hey hit 10 in a row yeah. which they could do in their sleep it's like here has it hit the front of the rim and like you know bounce up twice like, it was crazy that, he wasn't kidding like he was just saying it like matter of fact he's like oh yeah we used to play these games all the time like to see how like how specific we could get on where we wanted to throw the ball i mean if if a billiard player can get like that accurate playing pool like i think an nba basketball player like steph should be able to hit the rim and have it ricochet off to like he could be able to call which player it'll go to totally, in the lane totally and even I totally down to like that. hitting it off as a ricochet that ends up in the corner for a three some guy in Europe did that recently where he like yeah. threw it off the backboard or threw it off the rim and he sprinted to the corner. The ball met him there and he hit a game winning game winning three. And it just seems like so much in a Steph Curry's wheelhouse, the fact that like you can miss it in a specific way that gets it to a specific player. 
Yeah, I've always had this theory. I remember this, like, do you remember the blog Free Darko, obviously, way yeah. back in the day? Yeah. So I remember, like, a long, long time ago, it's like, obviously, like, now a decade ago, um, like, getting into the comments there, and I don't know how it came up, but, like, we were always talking about the idea of, like, I was convinced that NBA players don't use the backboard enough as, like, a sixth player on the floor. And what I mean by that is, like, like, and we have seen every once in a while, like someone will like throw a throw like an entry pass, like the guy's trying to seal his guy, and maybe the guy's fronting on him, so like they'll yeah. throw the pass over to hit the backboard to then drop to the guy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they did. Uh, there was like this again an Instagram video I saw recently where Paul Westfall diagrammed that up for a Barkley yeah. putback, and they did it yes. on purpose. I just don't. I I'm, I'm like sort of amazed it's not used more. Like yeah. it's. Especially, it seems weird. They did it in, uh, remember when uh, Wesley Snipes did it and White Man Can't Jump, he drove the lane and fucking smashed the ball against the backboard to hit Woody at like the top of the key? Yeah. Like, that could be a diagram play. <laughs> it really could, especially like with the athletes in today's game. Like just, just how like above the rim these guys can play too. Like I'm just amazed like, and, and I'm, I mean I'm making it seem like it's really easy to throw a ball perfectly off a backboard that then drops dead, like from the three point line. Like I get that, like the physics of that are not easy, but these guys are that good. Yes. They're making that, 90 out of a hundred, like Gilbert arenas is hitting 93 out of a hundred threes. I think they can teach a professional athlete to throw specifically against a specific part of the backboard as a pass. I know. I mean, and like, I remember Hito Turkoglu and Dwight Howard, like one of their plays, and I don't know if it was a legit play, but they did it all the time was Turkoglu would drive and he was like, he would, and like, he wasn't the most athletic guy, obviously, but he would basically, instead of really trying to shoot the ball in, he would like shoot it super high off the backboard. And he's coming down one lane, one side of the lane. And then Dwight obviously would be on the other side of the lane. That's when they played for the Magic. And like, basically, what he was doing was throwing it as a pass just high off the backboard for Dwight to go grab, clean up, and chunk it back home. Basically, a, like, a controlled miss. A controlled miss. I was like a sort of a weird, yeah. As a pass. It's, it's a pass, but he's like, um, it's a miss. Yeah. You it's the crazy. Brad Stevens feels like she should be able to diagram like 12 of those plays because he loves that like side out of bounds floated over the defense. You know what I mean? Like to the, yes. to the weak, directly to the weak side to Horford. Like I Definitely. can imagine a, a weird seal that Horford does that Jalen Brown throws a fucking 41 foot off the backboard pass for a tip in game winner. I see it. I see it. There's going to be a backboard evolution in uh, in the NBA game. <laughs> you remember and where so, you heard it first. <laughs> you heard it first from me, and uh, I was saying it in the comments of Free Darko 10 years ago, and it w- I still believe it will come true. Listen, if the baseline can be the best defender, then the backboard can win <laughs> Offensive Rookie of the Year. <laughs> We got to start racking up assists to the backboard. The backboard's <laughs> going to pass John Stockton one day in total assists. Just a MVP trophy st- uh, duct tape to the backboard. Like it's not the same, I get it, but like hockey players use the board to pass the puck all the time. That's right. All the time. All the time. And I, again, obviously different. There's a lot more board than there is backboard, but uh, there's something there. So we, I, I think we figured something out here. Yeah, good work. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's fast forward a little bit to the present day. Uh, <laughs> Is this the best Raptor team of all time? Oh, is Kawhi, mean, it, and is Kawhi the best Raptor of all time? It's, I mean, if he is Kawhi from two years ago, and that's the big if, obviously, with him, because the guy yeah, played nine yeah, games last yeah, year, and yeah, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is that your robotic Kawhi Leonard Yeah, that laugh? was my laughing at your little aside. 
Oh, he, uh, that was scary. That was, uh, <laughs> you almost feel bad for him, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I love the video going around now that shows the eight times he's ever laughed before, like since he's come into the NBA. It's like, that's it. That's all there is. It's also sadder uh, that he's getting worse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you think a little, uh, practice would make it a little more natural. Um, I mean, if he if he's Kawhi from two years ago, then absolutely. The answer is absolutely, yeah, he's the best. He would be the best Raptor ever. I mean, that's a he's an MVP candidate. Yeah. Uh, and he's and he's like, as we always talk about, like probably the best two-way player because he can guard the best player on the other team and, and generally shut them down or at least contain them. So I think the answer is yes. But it's it's tough right now, obviously. Haven't even seen him play a preseason game uh, and just how he looks. I just like I'm not too worried. Like he basically took an entire year off. Um, yeah, I wonder and, if he's fresh. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in theory, he really, really should be if he, if he is back to 100% health and coming out of camp. That's what everybody's saying. So, yeah, I think the answer is yes. Um, are they the best Raptors team? That's I. Uh, that's that's tough. I mean. If he, I guess again, I guess I just go back. If he is Kawhi in theory, they would be as long as like Lowry plays at the level he has been playing over the last couple of years. And this, we got a really deep team. The Raptors do. Um, that's sort of like that's what won them a ton of games last year. and was a big reason why they were so good. Nearly won sixty games. Um, they just got a lot of depth on that team. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, then we have a new coach. So what does that mean? And and is that good or bad? Because some people were not fans of Casey and the offense that. Uh, that sort of he would run, especially late in games and not getting guys the ball like Valanciunas. So I don't know. I didn't really an- I didn't really answer that for you, but I, I guess I'm holding out hope that they are. Yeah. Uh, and then, so you would you give them 60 wins this year? Because last year their most wins ever, 59. Do you think they break that this year? Uh, oh wow, that's t- the East is weaker. I mean, yeah, the East is weaker, and they didn't really sacrifice depth. If anything, they got like Danny Green. Yeah, no depth is. I mean, Pertl was fine as a as obviously a backup big, but. You know, like he's a different player, but they went and got Greg Monroe, and you're right. Um, they're gonna, they're just gonna expect more from like OG Ananobi, their rookie last year. Siakam, they're just thinking all these guys are gonna take the next step. Fred VanVleet, which yeah. they should because they're all fairly young. They all should get better. Yeah. Uh, six, I think 60s in play because, like you said, Celtics are obviously good. Sixers are obviously good. Um, and then it's like you get into like those weird teams like the Bucks and the Pacers, which I do think are good teams, but like you know, they're not scaring really anybody. Yeah. Um, they're good teams. Don't get me wrong. Um, will, will either of those teams like are they, are they locks for like fifty plus wins? I don't, I don't know. So uh, yeah, I think sixties in play. I think they're going to be right. They're going to be fifty five to yeah fifty five to sixty like they have been the last couple of years. I don't see how that changes. Right. I guess it really only matters in the playoffs. Like, are you are you at all eager concerns uh, excited to watch the regular season? Or are you like? Yes, we've seen this before. They're a top four seed. Let's just fucking get to the playoffs and see what Kawhi can do. I mean, I'm always excited to see like who's better, and especially with a new coach, like what Nick Nurse brings. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about like those little details. Yeah. And 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 obviously Kawhi is uh, is he even good or you know do we got a we got uh, some bad goods here in him? Um, so I'm excited about that stuff. But you're right, like none of it will really. You know, none of it will really matter until they get into the playoffs, and it's like, okay, can they really challenge for a finals appearance? I mean, maybe even a title chance, unlikely, but even a finals appearance, I would be happy with. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, I, like I'm one of these Raptors fans that, like, I had season tickets with Tass when we were up in Toronto for you know years that we shared season tickets, and we went and saw so many crappy Raptors games, like so many losses. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm a big Bosch fan. 
but it was just Bosch and that's really it. And there was a lot of losses. Uh, so I'm like, I've been on cloud nine over the last couple of years, like just getting to the playoffs, winning a best of seven series, you know, you know, always unfortunately then running into LeBron, but look, if we're going to lose to anyone, I'm glad it's one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Uh, and we're not like flaming out to like the Hornets in the second round or something like that. So, um, and there were some of those too, I guess, losing to the wizards and stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> in the first round, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm just pumped as a Raptors fan because it's nice to have a good team. And like, obviously your expectations change, but, um, I, I'm I'm totally fine with a team playing in the playoffs, uh, like cheering on my own team come April and May. Yeah, the crowd is so fun just to root for it. Oh, oh man, like that was the coolest thing. Like when I came to NBA TV and the, and the show came down here, and the Raptors, uh, like of course this happened too. Like the Raptors got good the year Tass and I and the guys came down to Atlanta. It's like the that's Ewing when, theory, right? Yeah, it, yeah, we left. <laughs> we left. They got good and. You know, I went. I, I fortunately got to go back for a couple of playoff games, like over those couple of years, and uh, and then Turner, who obviously uh, is like the owner of NBA TV or part owner with the NBA, they were like going up to do games, and they were like, it was so cool because they were like, what is going on up there? Like, what is this Jurassic Park? Why yeah. are there ten? Why are there ten thousand people outside watching on a big screen on the side of the arena? And it's like, yeah, man, it's like, do they do that the, for hockey? Um, they might do it for hockey now, but the Raptors definitely started it. Wow. Definitely, definitely started it, but they may have, yeah, the, the, the Leafs I think are getting a bit better now. They had some bad years there too, but it's like, I was up there for a couple of those like pre pre game, like sort of fests or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. There's like 5,000, 10,000 people outside, like going bonkers. It's crazy. Yeah. It was awesome. So like, it was cool to hear all these people in the States, who generally ignore the Raptors? Let's be honest, yeah. or definitely had, uh, definitely had up until that point when they were, they suddenly got good. They were like, yeah, they were just like they couldn't believe it. They're like, and now the Raptors. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They, I would think they're considered some of the most like rabid fans in the league. Yeah, um, definitely. And they're and don't get me wrong. There's there are a lot of crazy Raptors fans and delusional Raptors fans, like like all fan bases. But there are diehards up there. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean it's. For me, as a Raps fan, it's really cool to see that and like hear people recognize it. Here's a question I have as a casual basketball, or I should say casual Raptors fan, but diehard mm-hmm. basketball fan, that you would have more insight to because you watch 75 however many game, Raptor games a year. What makes Kyle Lowry so good? Because I see him, and he, he looks like you know a fine point guard, but I'm hearing yeah. like debates like, is Kyle Lowry as good as... Damian Lillard, where I'm like, I'm watching these two players play, and Lillard seems like a superstar, and Lowry just seems pretty good. What, firstly, do you agree with that comparison? And secondly, do you think he is an elite point guard? And like, what makes him so elite? Uh, yeah, I do think he's an elite point guard. Like, I think he's uh, same class earned. as Lillard and Paul and. Uh, I mean, yeah, Paul uh, Westbrook. I can't even like include in this sort of group because he's just like a freak. So I won't even. I honestly don't even include him. But uh, and Chris Paul's, yeah, and Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. I get that. Um, And I think I do. I still have Lowry below Chris Paul if I'm picking between the two. But like Lillard and you know, uh, you know, Drew Holiday and like guys on that level. Like Lowry has proven to be an All NBA player. And he has rightfully deserved those those nods and all star selections, no doubt. He is the thing is he's just not as flashy 
he's not as flashy as a Lillard and he's never going to be as flashy as a Lillard and, and not even close to like a Curry or something like that. He, what he, I think he does well. What is, does he do better than Lillard? He plays defense. Got it. He's a, like he's, he's the pit bull on defense. He like, he sacrifices his body. He takes charges all the time when giant dudes barreling in there. He, he helps. He rotates. He's uh, he's like he's one of their best defenders. Um, yeah, that's why I'm excited to see him paired with 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 Kawhi. Um, and he does that not being the most athletic guy. I mean, he doesn't look the most athletic guy. He's sort of got like that Paul Pierce vibe to him. Where <laughs> yeah, he's like, James Harden. It's like yeah, you look at him and you're like, I mean, is that guy is, is he cut? Is he like really in shape? <laughs> is but he they, chubby? Yeah, but they're like obviously super athletes still. Um, can he dunk? So that I mean, he can dunk. Yeah, he can. Obviously, doesn't a lot. I mean, Chris Paul doesn't really <laughs> dunk a lot either, but he's a lot smaller. Uh, no, he's just actually Lowry's pretty small too. Um, no, he's it's he just plays defense. That's the biggest thing. He's yeah. a great three point shooter. He's a great three point shooter though. He's really uh, like it, I, he's obviously struggled in the playoffs at times, and so has Lillard, I guess, for that matter. But. Uh, I was happy to see Lowry had a pretty good playoff run this last year because he had he was really struggling in the playoffs uh, the previous couple of years. Yeah. But I mean, I, look, I, like this is gonna sound stupid, but like I remember when we got Lowry, when the Raptors got Lowry, it was like the third game watching him play. I, I think it was like the second or third game. And the tweets out there, you can go find the tweet somewhere if you can like look it up. But I tweeted out like Kyle Lowry is already my favorite Raptor of all time. Wow. And I and like I stand by it. I stood by it at the time. Like he's, just, I just love how he plays, um, how hard he plays, um, and, and how badly he wants to win, and and, and how much like to some extent you know, of a team player he is. So uh, yeah. Oh wait, I, mean, I, he's been, I found he's been the awesome. tweet. You said, uh, "There you go." Who is this pudgy loser? Get him off my team! <laughs> I can't believe he makes this much money, let alone forty dollars. Go to hell, Kyle Lowry. Hashtag Lowry. Hashtag at me. Please at me. Wow. Oh, I guess wow. you remembered it a little bit differently. Well, I, yeah, I did. But I, I said, I, I, I told you to at me. So that's standing by it. <laughs> standing by a tweet. Is he your favorite Raptor of all time? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think he is. That's yeah, cool. I know. It shocks a lot of people. I mean, most people are going to go. Like, I had, a, <laughs> I had a bad couple of years with the Vince Carter experience, and I was definitely one of the people. I was one of the last people to finally, um, like, forgive Vince, I guess, for uh, his departure uh, yeah, way back when. Yeah, what was the deal with that? Like, why are, why are Raptors fans mad about it? He quit on the team? Yeah, he quit on the team. I mean, like, he obviously here now, like, there was obviously management problems and stuff like that. But at the time, living in that moment – it sure looked like he quit on the team, and he for a wanted whole season, out for playoffs. Yeah, well, he, like injuries came in play. It was like about it was it was basically a season. It was basically a season. And then well, the reason why people think that and why it really felt true was he obviously was amazing. And then injuries came into play, no doubt. I thought he was and half then, amazing. Yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. Yes, and then <laughs> and then uh, he sort of like it looked like he just sort of quit. And the thing I hated about Vince at the time, I remember like. When things were going well, um, you know, people would give him the praise, as you do as a superstar. Like, okay, you know, things are going great. Vince, you're the man. You, you, and he probably did save the Raptors and maybe save basketball in Canada. There's some truth to that, no doubt, because he was that electric. But when things went bad, when they suddenly started going bad during his tenure with the Raps, he, like, any interview, he would, like, he would just sort of, like, he would never own it. And he would never, ever own it. And it just drove me nuts. Like, you're like, damn, that's like not, that's sort of not what you want from a leader. At least it felt to me that he wouldn't own it. So 
that was a part where then when he sort of looked like he was like sort of half-assing it, half-assing, half-amazing. Nice. Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and, then, so, and so then he gets traded for nothing. I mean, it was a brutal trade, like the worst trade. Oh, like, they get back uh, Aaron Williams. It was like, then... it was, yeah, a couple Williams. It was Aaron Williams, Eric Williams, uh, Morning, who never played. It was like a crappy pick, I believe. Um, it was garbage. But then he went to the Nets and he started killing it. Like he started like balling out again. And yeah. it was like, what? you know, it was like he obviously, I think, was frustrated with the Raptors management and their direction going forward and all that. I get it. And but still, I mean, you're still a professional and it just look bad. Yeah. But so so like that's where a lot of Raptors fans like me, especially back then, were like, oh, you know, screw Vince. He quit on the team. Like and like we're, you know, Canadians are always like this as it is, like inferiority complex. Like, yeah, you don't want to be here. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, but then, you know, it's nice to see over the last couple of years that is definitely dissipated where it's like Raptors fans are like – people – Raptors fans like want Vince back on the team. Like people were upset he went to the Hawks for a year. People yeah. were like, oh, why don't we bring Vince in for a year? Like, <laughs> uh, And I wasn't really on board with that. Like I think that's a little too far. But there's no doubt the guy's going to get his banner raised and all that I think. And, and like I, I for the longest time held out on that. I was like, no, nah, I don't forget that easy. But even I – I'm like, okay, you're right. He basically saved the team. He was awesome. And also, it doesn't help that now I've had Vince Carter on the show a couple times, and he's like the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> he's the nicest guy ever. They say don't um, meet your villains. Yeah, don't meet your villains, man, because he is the sweetest guy. He's honestly so nice. So it's like, okay, I can't hate you anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's funny to compare his situation. You talk about a superstar quitting on his team to like flash forward to today, and it's still sort of happening, but the way the superstars are going about it is a little differently. Um, yeah. I spoke about like Jimmy Butler basically you know, putting in a trade demand instead of half-assing a season and then leaving during free agency – uh, nowadays, like uh, Kyrie Irving or Butler, or whoever, uh, Kawhi Leonard, is just s- straight up saying, I want to be traded. These are the teams <laughs> I want to go to. Nobody else trade me because I won't sign an extension. And let's see what the best offer you can get from these four teams are, which is what Butler is doing. Um, the GMs can either acquiesce and send them to a place that they're getting the best return, or they could say, fuck you, we're sending you to OKC. Uh, they're willing to take a chance, but this is the best we can get. So with the Butler situation, do you see like any relationship to how Vince went about it? Do you find one way to be better than the other? And two, do you think, uh, would you be advocating if you were uh, in Masai's ear for a uh, couple of young assets grouped together, duct taped together, sent off, shipped to Minnesota, and get Jimmy Butler, make it a, make it a one-season run to rule them all? Yeah, no, I'll answer that part first. I don't think I would do that if I was Masai because you're already doing that with Kawhi. Um, and I, I, I mean, some I get the idea, I guess, like, oh, I'll just go all in on it, like, one year. It's like, are you really going to convince me, like, within one year with a new coach and Butler and Kawhi Leonard that you're going to, like, win the title? Like, that's a guarantee, like, especially with the Warriors still being the Warriors. Like, there's no way. Um, so the Raptors, I, I wouldn't do that because... Like, they have a lot of young talent. Like, they, you know, if Kawhi even leaves, and he very, very may well leave and go to, to the Clippers or Lakers, wherever he ends up going, if he wants to leave Toronto, um, you know, the Raps will be not in a horrible position. I mean, they won't have a star at that point, really. I mean, Lowry's obviously getting up there in age, and maybe we'll, you know, stop missing all NBA teams and all star teams, but like, they'll have at least this pipeline of guys. Like, 
don't go don't go do what the Knicks did and send a bunch of like young prospects and picks like for a mellow. You know, I wouldn't do that. So, but Butler's uh, not and, mellow. No, he's not. He plays defense and he's a good player. Right. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I I like Jimmy Butler, but I think but Jimmy I'm not Butler in thinks like he's Yeah, Jimmy Butler thinks he's better, and and most players do. But Jimmy Butler, I think, thinks he's better than he is. <laughs> I he, he's got. He's got a. He's like, I compared him on Twitter like a little bit to me. Not games. I didn't mean by like the way they play at all, but like where they are in their career. Very similar to me to Blake Griffin. Yeah, it's like, I saw that. Yeah, like obviously age is right there and injury concerns is right there, and it's like this guy is good, but is he franchise leading good? Probably not. Um, I mean, and you could convince me Jimmy is more of that because he plays on both sides of the ball than Blake, but I still sort of lump him. Ah, sort of in that little that weird mold where you're like, oh, you're getting paid 190 million dollars, you're good, but you're not like gonna take me to the promised land. And then, and and also, unlike Blake, it's like, does anybody like playing with this guy? Like, <laughs> I mean, bes- besides Mark Wahlberg, like, does anybody like Jimmy Butler? Because it seems like wherever he goes, you know, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I guess outside of Thibodeau to yeah. some extent, but um, so that worries me, but. Yeah. Uh, oh, to answer your other part, like it's totally different with obviously today's sort of era and the CBA and all that, and, and and I would say some of the power the players have compared to like back when when Vince was, you know, sort of sulking his way through a season and and maybe he could have sucked it up and played couples through a couple of those sort of minor injuries and stuff like that. Like I would rather, definitely rather today's game, today's era, where a guy says, "Hey, trade me." I mean, I'm telling you right now, like. This I want it. This will help my career in theory, and this will help your team. Um, for you to try now, I don't think you want to make that public if you can, like because that's then puts like the wolves sort of, you know, at a disadvantage when it comes to making deals because now other teams know like, well, you have to trade them, like, yeah. like, like, what are you gonna do? So I mean, the more that can stay behind closed doors, the better. But um, I think there's definitely a, it helps the franchise if at least someone comes to you and says, hey, I don't want to be here. I'm giving you like a year or whatever to like just trade me try and get some pieces back like look it worked for it worked for the pacers so far i mean obviously when they traded paul george yeah you talk about like the public demand versus the private demand i think that's what is the new wrinkle it's like this this way of leaking it so candidly and openly that it's like not even a secret anymore and it's a way of saying hey this helps me and it fucks over my current team but who cares i'm burning a bridge on my way out i don't need to ever go back to minnesota yes trade me publicly trade yeah. me you have to do these four teams uh is this new way of kind of saying fuck you to the owners and the gms and your current franchise i don't know it's it's kind of a fun new like game that the players have figured out where they're sort of forcing their hand uh onto the gms forcing them to make a decision do i take because the gms are probably like personally offended like let's ship his ass to fucking orlando but then Orlando knows it, and they don't want to give them the best assets. And like, do they bite their what is it? Bite the nose to despite their face, where they're like, "Fuck yeah. it, it won't be great for this team." But you know what? I, I'm going to enjoy watching Jimmy Butler have to play in Orlando, or do they yeah, fuck it no. up and do what the uh, the Cavs did, where it's like, "Fuck it," like sending them to the Boston Celtics is insane. But you know what? They're giving us the best player, so let's do it. Right. That's exactly right. That's what it's. That's what's weird about it. And I guess it is similar to Kyrie's. Now that you said that, but like. It's always weird when a player of Jimmy Butler's uh, caliber is like 
on a good team. Like the Wolves were a good team. Like maybe we thought they were going to be a little bit better last year, and obviously we thought they were going to forty nine wins. Yeah, yeah. Like they they just snuck in there at the end of the playoffs. But like that's a good team, and it's really weird when like a star player is like I don't want. Like it's one thing when Kevin Garnett or Kevin Love are on the Wolves and they're like, get me out of here. Like I don't want to be here anymore. Like you you can't put anyone around me now, and like it's just me. Like. It's one thing when it's that, and now it's like this whole other thing when it's like Jimmy Butler, who's playing with like what looked to be some pretty good players, like obviously in Towns and, and maybe even Wiggins, and he's like, "Screw this! I like I don't want to be here. I like I'll, I'm I just don't want to be here." Um, and I think that has to play into like he he wants to be the man. Like I think Jimmy Butler wants to be the man on whatever team he goes to. Like, and he sees, and that's where the friction came between like the butting of the heads between like, well, this is Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns' team, or is this my team? You know? Um, cause to me, like he's listing off these teams he wants to go to. It's cause he's like, I want to be big market. I want to be the guy. I want all the, uh, all, you know, all the limelight. Yeah. And the question is why now, why did he make this demand two days yeah. before everyone reports the media day to take pictures? Like, is that just a one last fuck you? It's like, let me wait, 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 and trade me. Well, it's like, well, no, the fucking season is starting, dude. I, all right. I'll, we'll scramble to get things done, but you really should have told us in June. He should have waited until opening night, the ball is tipped and then just sit down <laughs> on the ground and pull out a sign that says trade me. Uh, no, but you're right. That like, and I, I tweeted that out as well as had a couple thoughts on this whole thing going on with the wolves and and i had people that in the know that were writing me and saying like he at he didn't want to be there in the first place and he did ask behind closed doors to trade me and they were saying last year or at the end of last season and it's like okay that does make more sense um so so what happened then was Thibodeau just like you know you know plugged his ears with his fingers and like la, 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 i can't hear you like i I, I'm not going to hear it, and we'll just pretend like this summer will make you feel better, and we'll yeah. just run this back. And is that then why um, you know Jimmy Butler now, like two weeks before training camp, was like, "All right, screw this. I'm just taking this public." Because right. you're right, it's, the timing of it is very suspect. Um, I mean, that, or yeah, sorry, continue. No, I was just going to say, or the other thing, and I, I mean, I have no, no, uh, no evidence to back this up, but like I threw it out on Twitter, the idea of maybe like was it like Carl Anthony Towns went. To like maybe Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. They don't like each other, okay? So they just they don't get along, either maybe on the floor or off. Did Towns just go to management and say, "Hey, I'm not signing this extension. I'm not signing this extension until you get rid of Jimmy Butler." Uh, and did that information then get back to Butler's camp? And then he was like, "Well, screw it. Now I'm just going to say." trade me to where I want to be traded. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I mean, the timing of the extension was very suspect, where it's like, trade me, and then one day later, here's $198 million, Carl Anthony Towns. Right? Those two, yeah. those two things are not mutually exclusive. They, they one mm-hmm. definitely caused the other. Although the narrative of a private trade request and then Thibodeau being like, oh, he's got to be fine, and then Butler finally saying, fuck it, I'm going public, definitely makes sense, because Thibodeau is still not willing to admit defeat here he's like he's kind of like a scorned ex-lover he's like jimmy will be back no i didn't run him into the ground he likes me he's he's just got to cool off why don't you take a beat jimmy we'll meet you back here during the preseason christ he's gonna start saying like all right all right jimmy jimmy here's what we're gonna do take november off no actually you know what you know what okay we'll see you in the new year we'll see you in january okay you know what you know what okay all right, playoffs. We will see at the start of the playoffs. You rest up. Yeah, he's just going to keep pushing it back. He's like the ultimate procrastinator. That's all he does. <laughs> it's like that's again in White Mac Can't Jump where Rosie Perez is uh, roller skating away. He's like, we're going to do this, baby, together. 
<laughs> Cut to uh, Jimmy Butler playing somewhere else, and you know what? Rosie Perez never came back, and I don't think Jimmy Butler's ever coming back either. Um, I wanted to touch on the West just before I let you go here. Um, uh, I guess Minnesota's in the West, but a little bit further west. Uh, I asked recently on Twitter, who do you think the best, the third best team is in the West, assuming Golden State and Houston would be one and two? Uh, you said Houston, I believe, would be the third best team. Is that true? Uh, I said Houston. That's right. And yeah. that's, that's, so you said, what was your question exactly? You were assuming that the Warriors and Rockets were the yeah. top two teams. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, who do you think is third behind those two juggernauts? And you said, actually, I think Houston will be third. I never followed up who you thought would be second. Who do you think is going to leapfrog the Rockets and why? Uh, I, uh, I think it's going to be the Jazz. I think if the Jazz are healthy, they're, uh, they're running back the entire, the exact same team. They didn't do anything. I think they got rid of Jonas Derebko and they, and they, uh, drafted Ted Cruz in, in Grayson Allen. So that was, uh, <laughs> and that's enough that's, to put them at 68 wins. Yeah. I mean, they have the same team and they're a really, really good team. And if like Donovan Mitchell takes like what he should take, like sort of that next step being a second year player, um, man, they're good. I, I love the Jazz. Uh, so, I just think I just think the Rockets are gonna like either through well they're adding Mello too and that never helps uh, <laughs> and, and losing and, and like losing a little bit of defense in obviously Ariza and Bamuti I just don't think they'll like I don't think it's gonna be pedal to the metal chasing like the number one overall uh, record as much trying to get hard in MVP it's like stuff like that I just don't I don't see it. Um, so I think they'll just fall a little bit in the win column, but I think the Jazz are just going to rack up a lot of wins. I, like, I'm, I'm not saying like they're going to be ten wins above them by any means, but I think the Jazz will like maybe eke them out there for uh, for like a number two in the West. I, I believe in the Jazz. So you think uh, Golden State, Utah, Houston, and then who else do you think is getting home court? Is it OKC? Do you think the Lakers? Um... Yeah, it's going to be. I think those are the two teams I have right there. I think I I would lean towards the Thunder um, at number four. Uh, and then the, I mean, the Lakers are just like, I don't know where, I honestly don't know where to put them. Like I can talk myself into a LeBron's Lakers team being the third seed in the West. And I can talk myself into them being like the ninth team or the 10th team in the West, like, like struggling out of the gate and trying to figure out how this, like, we got this weird meme team bench. And this is like, I just could see like, and I think Luke Walton will figure it out. Um, so I guess I just sort of go somewhere in the middle, and that's where you start looking at like the fifth or sixth seed. But yeah. I mean, like you must be like obviously you're excited because LeBron is on the Lakers, right? right? Like you're pumped. Correct. Okay. I mean, so where what are you like high on them, or are you sort of like like LeBron in training camp is like oh, okay, everybody easy. Uh, we're not going for a title here. Uh, yeah, I think he's, LeBron. Try, he's trying to. Yeah, he's trying to lower the expectations quite a bit. Yeah, I think LeBron sees this as a pre-AD, pre-KD joining year, where it's like, all right, let's do yes. pretty well for each other. Let me raise the value of some of these young players so that we can ship them out either in a sign-in trade or just a straight-up trade. Uh, right, right. I, I think you're absolutely right there. I think that is going to happen. And then uh, what, what concerns me about the Lakers, like whenever even, not that they're a dream team, but whenever like a super team comes together, there's a learning curve. When like... LeBron joined Miami, there was a learning curve. So, like, when LeBron oh, yeah. is joining JaVale McGee and, like, Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo, KCP, like, this is not a super team. So, if the fact that, like, Miami stumbled out the gate, and even the Cavs when LeBron returned stumbled out the gate, uh, this might be the worst stumble out the gate we've seen from a LeBron-led team. Oh, yeah. Like, would you would you be at all shocked if, like, after 15 games, the Lakers are, like, 
you know, six and nine or, no. you know, five and 10 even. Yeah, no. not at all, I don't think, right? Especially because yeah. their first two games are at Portland and then at home versus Houston. So, like, that could be 0-2 fairly easily. There's so yeah, much that yeah. has to do with chemistry. Like, this team, a team has never played together playing a playoff team from last year who, like, did a, had a great regular season. We're at such a disadvantage, and I know a lot of people are like, but you have LeBron, and that's kind of true. But <laughs> LeBron is playing with uh, players that, he's never played with before like these aren't these aren't old buddies of his he has like six weeks right now as a crash course to learn everybody's tendencies and if anybody can do it it's lebron but at the same time so much of it has to do with how well you guys play together lakers don't even know oh, who their starters sure. are going to be like i don't even i can't even speculate as to who starts well i guess i can speculate yeah. uh rondo well, you, well, i guess we <laughs> Javale McGee and, uh, and LeBron, but uh, beyond that, I have no idea. It's they're kind of two teams merged uh, merged into one right now. Oh, that's exactly that's exactly right. Like, what's interesting, like LeBron teams are usually, uh, at least over the last you know whatever eight or nine years, LeBron is always like he's just surrounded by for the most part like all these vets, right? Like all these guys that have like you know been in the years. They're professionals, like that's who he sort of gels with. Um, and that makes sense. Cause like these guys are just pros, yeah. but now he goes to this Lakers team. It's all these like second and third year guys. Uh, and it's like, wow, that's gotta be like night and day first off. But, and then, then you see why at least the reason I think why the Lakers pass brings in like, <laughs> and they're interesting vets, but brings in vets like Rondo and Lance and JaVale and, and uh, you know, Beasley to some extent too. So it's like, yeah, you're right. It's like two teams there. It's like, how does Luke Walton make this work? But then I always forget, like, the Lakers were, like, a really good defensive team last year. Yeah. Um, I think they're, like, top top 10 in defensive rating. Like, that's pretty good for that team, like, that was starting Brooke Lopez and had a lot of young guys. Yeah, so I, think good. Gonna, I think they're going to be better than people think defensively and worse than they think offensively. And I think LeBron, yes, LeBron's yes. going to love playing with Rondo, and that is already starting to form a little bit of a weird situation with Lonzo, and it's, like, one of the storylines I'm most curious about to see how it plays out because like once LeBron chooses chooses his favorite Le, uh, Luke's already gone on record as saying Rondo's going to start at the beginning of the year uh, Lonzo's knee hurts and Lonzo's like oh my knee doesn't hurt that bad he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. well it does <laughs> it's like yeah, alright yeah. so I can see that situation I mean there's going to be well, the- there's going to be a rift between these players because they're so different and then you even have players like in the middle like where does KCP even land amongst like the the goon squad the meme team this mud team and the young guys, like he's yeah. a ninth and tenth person who's like just also wedged in there. So it's going to be such like a weird, interesting, fascinating experiment. No, I think I like that call though. That they're going to be a lot better defensively than you probably think, and they will be worse offensively because like the shooting is a bit of a concern. There's not like that's another like classic LeBron team. Usually like surround them with shooters, and it's like I mean you're hoping some of these guys like really like Ingram and Ball even to that to that extent to some extent like you're hoping these guys can hit threes like stretch open the threes. floor open threes. yeah open three yeah for sure I so, think Lonzo and, and, and maybe some of them will I think Lonzo can jump from like 25% three point shooting to like 52 55% from beyond there <laughs> wow oh jeez <laughs> wow I mean yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, we just need that little little leap it's really just three more made threes per 10 so like it's not like that insane to assume that he can no play. I, I I, I, you know, I'll, uh, I'll see that. I'll raise you that I think Ben Simmons is going to win the three-point contest wow. this year. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love the idea of Ben Simmons being like, I've been working on my game all summer, still can't shoot threes. It's like, dude, I feel like if I shot three, like a hundred threes a, a day for a month, 
I could even put something together that like give you like at least thirty percent. Like you're a professional athlete, let alone a freak athlete, let alone like one of the most savant basketball players we've seen in the last generation. You can't add a three point shot to your game if given four months in an empty gym. How is this possible? Well, hold hold on. Then let alone say that before you've even started this season. <laughs> that's the weirder part. It's like okay, maybe that's true. Maybe you still can't hit them. Don't come out and just tell us. Like, <laughs> pretend. Just pretend like you're like, I'm going to be better this year. I, I, I think I might have added it. Like, at least try and sell it. Yeah, oh, don't man, don't tell us you can't shoot a three. Show us, young man. I yeah, want to see you yeah. brick these shots. Did he, attempt, did he attempt any last year? Uh, maybe. Was there a he? That he maybe not. Let me check that out. Check real quick here. Uh, yes, he did attempt. He attempted 11. <laughs> oh, for 11. That's like he attempted 11 threes. Wow. It's like Patrick Ewing or something. Like who goes That's... 0 for 11? It's it's so hard for a bad basketball player to do. I can't understand how one of the greats pulls that off. It's so It's that is really I mean, I remember we talked about this on the show during the season like it is really especially we probably start talking about it when we got into like the whole Bill Simmons or Ben Simmons versus uh Donovan Mitchell debate about yeah. rookie of the year. And it's just like in today's game, this guy, who is a very, very talented basketball player, who won Rookie of the Year, he went he went over eleven. It's such a he great, won't even shoot him. I often like equate uh, and like basketball in the NBA at whole to like an awesome TV show where it's like this is a great character. Let's throw someone in there who's the best, and he can't do the one thing that everyone else can do at this point in time. Like Javale McGee's out here practicing corner threes. You mean to tell me that the greatest rookie, maybe since Magic Johnson, can't make a three point shot? Yeah, it's, a, it's such a it's fascinating. A, it's argument. amazing. It really is. It's <laughs> and amazing. I, and he, do, he, do, he doesn't even know how to like which hand to shoot these floaters with at this point. Like he's somehow digressing and that's that's not even the weirdest weirdest shooting story on his team i don't know it's so funny no. <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a good point that's a great point i'm just checking i went really deep on simmons here he did hit one three-pointer at lsu <laughs> he, he went one for three he you went know, one for three it was a missed alley-oop yeah exactly yeah it, it meant to do an off the backward no. pass no, he uh, he Trevor Bookered it from three-point land. <laughs> uh, maybe that should be his shooting style. Pop a squat at the corner, just have somebody <laughs> throw you a perfect pass and tap it over your head. That'd be awesome. At worst, you're still 0 for 11. Like, it's not getting, yeah. you can't physically be worse than 0 for 11. You can't get worse. People will be like, hey, you know, you got to give him credit. He's trying new things out there. Uh, over under from a different angle. I'm gonna set the over under on 43 point attempts Ben Simmons this year. You think you go over? Wow, wow, 40? Yeah, 40. Mm. Okay, attempts. so you're looking. You're, okay, yeah, you're looking at uh, if he plays the whole season. Yeah, we're looking at like half a game, like one every two games. Yeah. One every two games. Uh, that's a good line. I think you're right around there. I will go. Uh, I'm gonna go under. I think this guy's like <laughs> he's like screw it. I think he's just screwing with people. He's like, nah, I'm not gonna shoot him. I kind of love that. Shoot him. I kind of yeah. Love so that. do I. I just, I'm going. He'll he'll be in the low 30s. That's where I'll go. Yeah, point guard who can't shoot, and then a seven foot three guy who's just planted outside the arc. That's the success. Yeah. Uh, the new NBA. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking hoops with me. No problem. I'm loving the podcast. Keep it up, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me steal your footsteps, not just walking them. Uh, do you have anything that? <laughs> You took my shoes. I looked down. My shoes again. <laughs> that one set of footprints in the sand is when I pushed you into the beach and started walking where you were. <laughs> uh, 
Do you, when does the starters come back? When can we start listening to you guys again? Uh, the starters return. Uh, the podcast returns on October 5th is when we'll have our first drop podcast um, of the five. season. 10-5. Yes, 10-5. Thank you. The first television show, and it's our first season preview show. Um, we're doing 50 burning questions. So we got five shows, 10 questions a show. That starts on October 8th. And then the season starts on October 16th. That's when the actual NBA season starts, and that's when we'll be there um, at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV getting you ready for that. And then we're then we're off and running from oh, the from the 16th on all the way through to Summer League. So exciting. I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you guys back. Oh, thank you. Uh, we're excited to be back. When's the Eggman going to do it? When's I Rick know, Fox? Rick Fox. The I sent the egg signal up in the air. <laughs> He's a, slippery, he's a slippery guy, uh, but I, I hope to lock him down for at least one hour of his time over the next couple of weeks. I, I, I have confidence in you. I can't wait for that one. And uh, again, thanks for having me on, man. No doubt. Thank you. And uh, thanks to everybody who's been listening and writing in and reviewing and rating and all that good stuff. I truly appreciate it. Be back soon. That was a HeadGum Podcast.